Welcome, welcome, people, to the first Gila Gossip podcast. I'm your boy, the Red Gila. Recently changed from Axies, so if you knew me as Axies before, yes, I am the same lizard uh, I've just transformed. We are now the Red Gila. This is something that I've been excited to bring towards the community uh, for, a, for a while. You know, I haven't thought about it in this context. I want to give a huge shout out to Pollution, uh, one of my brothers in the community, um, for sparking this idea. Um, I never thought I was going to do a podcast, but it just it just really seems right. Um, you know, I have a lot to talk about a lot of the time. If you follow my Twitter, you'll probably know about that. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of value that can be brought to the table here. So I want to be able to, I want to be able to do that. If I can do that, let's do it. So this podcast, um, just to give, you know, a heads up on exactly what it's going to consist of, uh, what we're going to be talking about and, and why you'd want to be here. Uh, we're going to be diving into Axie Infinity Origins Meta. Uh, that is going to be the focal point. Uh, for this podcast, we will be talking about, uh, you know, the top com compositions in the game, how the game is operating, any changes that happen within the game, and also the community revolving around that. Uh, I believe Axie Infinity Origins has got so much potential to be an amazing game. Uh, the esports scene will grow and flourish. Uh, I'm almost sure of it. Uh, and I personally have had some of the greatest, uh, you know, strategy card game experiences playing this game. Uh, I don't say that too lightly, uh, and I will explain my corner uh, maybe, you know, throughout the entire series of the podcast, however long it lasts. Let's hope it does last a while. Um, you know, I wanted to first of all explain myself, really, a lot of the people that I am associated with in the Axie community and in just general on the internet. Um, you know how it is, you know, you can get to know a person, but you don't really, you don't really know them. It's not quite the same as, as, as knowing and meeting people uh, in real life. Um, so a bit about myself, uh, the Gila, the Gila himself, and I'll tell you later in the podcast uh, where the Gila comes from, but uh, he's a, he's a tricky little fucker. Um, and again, just a, a disclaimer here, nothing that is said in this podcast is intended as any form of financial advice uh, or any so form of advice in general, unless you want to take it. I mean, you are each to their own person, but this is not intended for any of those purposes. Uh, and I do advise that everybody does their own research around topics discussed here in this podcast. But anyway, who am I? Who is C's? Uh, this has been a nickname of mine that stuck with me since a young uh, age. My name uh, is is Caesar, right? That's my family name, um, and it was it was a very strong name growing up, and I was I was really you know honestly proud of it. Um, and my friends, we would play football, right? I played football from a young, young, young age, from the age of like five, maybe. Uh, and, and for the entirety of my life, pretty much. Uh, and my nickname was C's. On the pitch, uh, it's very, you know, you need to have a name that's quick and snappy. Uh, and C's fit the bill. Uh, instead of saying my whole name, Caesar, a lot of the time, it was just a quick shout of C's. And it's just, it just stuck with me from there. Uh, eventually, when Instagram came around, when I was, you know, a young kid, maybe just about 12, going on to teenage years, um, that was the first name uh, that I put in there, and it has been uh, that since. Fortun unfortunately, I've left the Instagram realm, uh, and I now social media-wise, I'm just strictly on Twitter. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that you know are not necessary to talk about, but Instagram got thrown in the bin. Let's put it that way. I don't really want Meta to succeed. Um, 
moving on. But so yeah, just just to touch on that, the name came from football, uh, and to to get a bit personal about me and my life, um, I you know I grew up playing football here in the UK. I am from uh, a, a town or a city, sorry, called Birmingham. Uh, you might be familiar with it from Netflix and the uh, uh, you know the the familiar show of Peaky Blinders. Uh, I'm from the same city, although not from the same side of the city. Uh, but it is you know it's it's something commonly attached to to where i'm from uh, and i grew up here my whole life i was born and bred here uh, my family uh is my father is adopted um and he's he's uh he's, he's white right he's irish descendants uh, and english as well and my mother she is a light-skinned um, black woman uh, my grandmother is from africa from a small island called the seychelles so uh, a very unique kind of cluster of of um, genetics that went into creating the Gila himself, um, but also my grandfather was uh, was part Chinese, so there's also some Asian in there. So a lot of the time when I meet people, especially in person, like they don't quite you know how get how to take me, um, and it could probably be the same online, um, but you know it's easier to explain it uh, for you to get to know me um so that you can you, you can deal with that you can deal with that but it is what it is i'm a i'm a mutt as they would call it there's a load of shit in me it comes from everywhere and then i landed smack bang in the middle of birmingham um and and, and had a great childhood uh, like i said i played football for the entirety of my life in the later part of my life um it was a profession uh for a small portion uh, in terms of uh you know that that's what i did i left school to do it um, and I played for a few years for Birmingham City uh, in, in a youth system that was mainly community based at first, but was able to find my way into the actual uh, infrastructure and the youth system at um, Birmingham City Football Club. Uh, went all the way to play at under 23s. I was nine, just I was 18 at the time, going on 19. Uh, and there was professional contracts on the table, those types of things. And um, it was a great, you know, I was I was really happy to 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 be living that life at the time, and it was my absolute dream. Um, alongside this, my whole life, uh, my release was gaming. I would play football. I would train quite a lot. Uh, obviously, we would go to school. Uh, but everything else in my life kind of revolved around gaming. And I grew up uh, loving Pokemon uh, and then later growing into games like Call of Duty uh, and first person shooters. But when we had online gaming, this was like revolutionary for me. Uh, and I really gravitated towards it. Um, and it became a bigger part of my life because of that. But at this point in my life, um, I didn't receive a professional contract. A lot of things happened, which I mean, it probably can be saved for another day if someone asked the question. Um, but I didn't get a professional contract. I did actually get a uh, full scholarship offer at a university in North Carolina called High Point. At the time, I didn't know this, but it is a private business school. Um, and basically, it was full of millionaires' children. So I had no idea when I turned up on the door first day, um, fortunately enough to, to have my education paid for um, through the sport. Uh, and I had an amazing three years there. I say amazing. That's a story for another day because I'm just masking the shit out of it. Um, but there is there's a there's a deep old story about that. A lot of the gear that comes alive uh, in those years. Um, but at the same time, gaming was still a part of my life. I used to game um, portably on a Switch or, or I bought a PS4 when I was out there. And I was still in touch with the gaming scene, but not anywhere near as I am today. Um, but uh, yeah, I finished university. I actually didn't graduate. Uh, I got into some misdemeanors and we'll talk about how I left university another time. Um, but then I was, I came home, um, 
And I was back to square one pretty much. I was injured as well. Um, not, you know, as capable to play at the standard that I was uh, aiming for. And just really fell out of love with the with, with the sport itself in that period of time. But it's still, you know, a passion that I hold close to my heart. Uh, but this is where gaming takes over. Um, you know, I would personally just game quite a lot around figuring my life out and, you know, th figuring out which avenues I was going to take and what I wanted to get involved with and a career choice, etc. But I really didn't feel like a career was, you know, an option for me. I, d I, I, I didn't feel as if I fit the bill as an like a, a, an employable um you know nine to five worker yeah i did i found it really hard and i'm sure plenty of people do um but i got involved with gaming uh you know streaming on twitch making content here and there i did this in the pokemon scene uh you know i got really involved i loved the game as a child i was passionate about it and when i realized there was a competitive strategy version of the game that was like way way complex and advanced of me eight years old just throwing pokeballs or safari balls at a dratini and it wouldn't catch the little fucker um but uh it was it was very in-depth it involved for me personally i like to say it was chess poker and maths all crammed into one thing which for a nerd like me um was was beautiful so um, I was doing that for a while. I did the VGC circuit in the UK. Um, didn't go to some crazy heights and go to worlds or anything like that, but I was I was actively involved and I would make content around it. Um, in the meantime of this, I was studying uh, and, and from my studies at university, I was into financial analytics um, and and also, you know, understanding stock markets um, itself. Uh, and I was, I was quite obsessive with it. You know, I really enjoyed the, the you know, the psychology in attachment to numbers like what do the numbers say and what does that make humans do um, was like a huge uh inspiration for me i don't know it just it kick-started something in me where i just obsessively learned uh, and i did that for about four years since i left university which fast forwards me right now to where we're at um i think it's important now to transition on to how i got involved with axie um it's quite an easy thing to do from the pokemon um world i would say because they were very relatable. Now, I stumbled across the game. I believe it was from a Bryson video, right, on YouTube. Um, you know, I, I was searching things to do with NFTs. I was searching things to do with the crypto industry. And I was also watching Pokemon videos. And somehow the algorithm of YouTube forged together this uh, divine intervention moment where I stumbled across it. And uh, I, I then went down a rabbit hole, started to figure out, okay, what's this game? How do I play? Realized I couldn't fucking play because I'm broke. <laughs> and the price of axes at the time, I'm not going to say, like, it's nowhere near what it is today. The market is fucking amazing right now. Um, but it was, it was nowhere near where it was. And I had no option of getting involved in this uh, world or in this community without going down the scholarship route. So I actually entered the scene as a scholar. I spent about two weeks, like, really invested and consistent and and you know I, I i applied a lot of effort into you know tweeting um reading tweets and studying the community studying different people within the community the conversations that were going on and then doing the research behind the scenes on stuff like uh the the actual development company themselves etc 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 and then and broadened out to the entire scene as well it wasn't just axie at this stage but uh, i was seeking a scholarship uh, pollution actually was and this is funny you know this is full circle i didn't even realize this but pollution was involved in getting me involved in axie infinity uh, in the way that i was um 
uh, and, and he's also <laughs> the reason, the inspiration for this podcast right now. Um, so much love, brother. Um, but yeah, he, he recommended me to a friend of his and a contact who was looking to get involved in the Axie ecosystem and the NFT gaming scene at large. It was an amazing opportunity and I'm, I'm forever grateful to the guys at Novian for that uh, and for all that they provided um, and continue to provide. That the, the, These guys are amazing to work with. We are currently, you know, facing the times bro it's much different from what it was but when we started it, it was it was you know it was it was a rush for me it was phenomenal um the ability to then build axes study the meta currently at that time was v2 we were going into season 19 um and and it was it was it was just it was exciting for me and and i was hungry um we built an amazing thing at novian um and by january going on into season 20 you know, we had some seriously competitive uh, players within the community. Uh, we were facilitating people. The, the return on investment focus wasn't necessarily there. We were just really looking to create um, the, 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 the actual, you know, the, the vehicle that it was to get it off the ground and to make sure that it, 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 that it did what it, we intended it to do and build something. And we really did. We brought a community together and a lot of talent together uh, and we had um, a, a flourishing season uh, season 20 was amazing we had uh, players finish within i think there was uh, maybe eight to ten players finishing within the top 1000 but i want to extend that to maybe the top 2000 uh, and then a couple of guys finishing uh, above the top 500 and our top finisher i believe was in the top 200 um which at some points in the off season and in season 20 itself, those guys were top 25s, top 10s. Like they really did push the the boundaries, man. They, they opened up the, 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 the world for me. It made me realize, you know, um, a bit of uh, a bit of building and belief and, and some hard work towards studying the game. Like you can really, you, you know, you can really go to, to, to the top. Um, so you know, I had a, the most amazing time. Uh, at Novian at the, in the beginnings. And we've seen the community kind of have this turn, which I don't want to get political and start talking about, you know, the, the current economical state of, of Axie Infinity, because that's not what, what, what I'm here for, right? But um, it was it, it was it was fantastic. It's uh, now inspired and one of my ultimate goals is to really build towards esports teams, facilitations um, for players to come in and onboarding players uh, and, and also... Uh, refining and and almost educating players to be able to play at the top levels uh to you know raise the skill um level in the game as a whole uh, uh and and to push the esports scene essentially uh, but yeah that's that's pretty much where i'm at right now i got involved with axie through all of that um and uh, like the amalgamation of everything that's happened in my life kind of put me in this spot where i i really i have you know everything to give towards this industry um and and the venture that i am on um and and i you know by no means feel limited in being able to do that um yeah i've really realized and thanks to the guidance uh, of some people even behind the scenes it might not be through conversations with them just being able to assess and and analyze the way that they move also has allowed me to mature and and, and grow over the course of, of of November to now, which is about seven months, um, just just extremely grateful and thankful to the community for for being there to do that. Um, but you know, it's it's a wonderful thing. Um, 
it's hard to to make everyone see the same light and i'm completely understanding that you know perceptions and, and opinions will change based on personal experience that was my personal experience and and that is why i am so positive and uh, uh and invested in in this ecosystem and in this industry i really do believe it will win um in the test of time if you boil it down right now and we're talking immediates right and then i'm going to talk future we're talking immediates axie infinity right now is an nft based game right that is on chain that is on its own blockchain meaning the developer companies the, sorry, the development company, Sky Mavis, that develops Axie Infinity, the game, also develops Ronin, the blockchain that the game runs on, right? So that's that's huge already. Kind of take that in. That's huge already, all right? But when you boil it down, Axie Infinity is a game, right? It's a game. But Axie Infinity is a card-based game, a term-based strategy game right now. I believe it has the capability to do more in the future, but whatever. Right now, it is a turn-based card game, right? You take turns uh, expending energy on cards. Cards cost a certain amount of energy, and you play them to deal damage or to utilize skills or defend your team to eventually be able to knock out the opponent's team. Now, teams consist of three. You get three energy per game, oh, sorry, per round, right? And then what will happen is you'll have your turn, expend those three energy, use your cards, whatever, and then it will switch over to the opponent. They'll have their three energy, they'll play, they'll play their cards, use their three energy, and so on and so forth. And it goes back and forth until there is a winner. The winner is decided by all three axes on the other side of the field being taken out, right? That's what Axie Infinity is right now. But... If we take a, you know, a bird's eye view of things and we zoom out, we scope out just a little, not even just a little, a fucking lot, to be honest, let's be real. Axie Infinity is an industry leader, right? This NFT gaming space is extremely premature right now. We are nowhere near, you know, the capacities and the, the, the advancements of this industry, but we are so early right now. And Axie Infinity leads the industry. I don't want to talk about their numbers because I'm not here to talk about, you know, ecosystem and and to, things to deal with just, you know, financial side of things. But it's an industry leader. And I believe it is solely down to the fact that they have been able to develop their own layer two blockchain Ronin uh, that is in connection with obviously the Ethereum mainnet. Uh, it's it it has really been I've been spoiled to have a large proportion of my crypto experience on the Ronin blockchain. You know the freedom of transactions, the fluidity of transactions, uh, and then with, you know, this is probably not the case for some of you American listeners uh, and other countries where uh, they don't have uh, the jurisdiction to use these applications. But I am I I I live in the UK and have the access to use Binance uh, and the chain. Uh, it works in accordance with Binance. Uh, and I think Binance is a great company as well. Um, so I've been spoiled in that side of things and the connectivity and the ease of experience has allowed me to uh, warm towards it. There's a lot of people that probably had complicated experiences on MetaMasks, uh, trying to go from from the mainnet to other blockchains like Solana's. Um, uh, and I won't, link, I won't name a list, but et cetera. Uh, and, and it can deter a lot of people. So being an industry leader and having an ease 
of experience is is huge for Axie Infinity uh, as a whole. Um, but the company started in 2018, which is is quite a while ago, and is actually in the bear season, right? Of 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 crypto's last journey. So they've been known to build throughout whatever circumstances, um, and and they are now you know ahead head and shoulders of the majority of the NFT gaming community. But that's Axie Infinity. Me personally, I won't lie to you. I'm always going to fucking say that Axie Infinity, for me, is top of the fucking pops, mate. You cannot top it. You cannot. Right. Now, the the earning side for me is never a focus right now. I don't get into these industries for the earning side. I get in for really and truly and this is completely candid i don't want to bullshit this is my podcast so i'm going to say what the fuck like i i think and and, and it's real to me but i have invested because i see you know i see the future <laughs> no i i see the the huge potential and you know the gaming industry right now is is one of the biggest value creations in existence um in in terms of industries of course there are some that absolutely monopolize it and 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 uh, are like godzilla compared to it but it is a huge um amount of, of of value in in our world in our ecosystems um and it's a it's a big part of people's day-to-day -day life so once it does make sense it will make fucking sense and i'm gonna make the dollar form of sense all right cool we we get it all right we get it everyone's good okay now, really, this podcast is aimed around talking about Axie Infinity Meta. Um, today, there was a huge update, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. There are a lot of details. You can access them through Axie's Substack link. Uh, if you go to their Twitter, it should be very easy to locate. Uh, but they did make a lot of changes. The talking point um, definitely is the round one or the turn one interactions that they've changed. We used to operate on different term one methods and we've been trial and error uh, in, in a few methods now. I think we began with uh, the person who goes second would receive an energy coin uh, to make up for the, the going second. We transitioned then to having two energies at turn one. So the person going first would have two energy instead of three. Uh, and then turn two would be back to normal just with three energy. Um, this really helped the meta kind of advance to what it is. There were comp compositions that worked around the two energy, utilizing zero cost cards, access to energy uh, and clever sequences, um, which helped um, first turn rage, uh, first, sorry, first turn fury mode, uh, which was a, was a turn one knockout. Uh, so this implementation is definitely to avoid the turn one knockout. A lot of the time, if your first axie goes down round one, it's just going to be naturally very hard for you to make up that ground. Um, so it's quite, yeah, it's not fun going into a game and you, you die turn one. You haven't even clicked a, a, a card yet. Um, so I, I understand why the, 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 the changes were made. They have, you know, it's almost resemblance of um, Yu-Gi-Oh! How in turn one, uh, you could play uh, any trap card. You could, you could play spell cards. You could summon a monster, you could summon a monster face down, you could do everything, but you couldn't attack. Um, so I, I, I understand the take that's, that they've gone with, um, but I think it's fair to say that a lot of people aren't quite happy with it yet. And it has actually shut down a lot of people's um, axes utility. And that's the biggest like factor 
with balancing and patching it's the hardest thing but it's like you know it's always going to happen it's something that we just have to accept as the game changes uh, it's going to change the utility and the validity of certain axes so it's unfortunate when that does happen i mean my first day in axie infinity i bought a bumpy bone sail axie um and then season 19 patches came out the next day and it was nerfed so it's it is a nature of the beast um but you know i play i play a, a kind of a sustained poison um team um which kind of makes sense with the gila but yeah uh so it doesn't really affect me at all but i am quite excited to see what might form around this and then where we go from this decision so um, but other than that the updates there you can check it out you know you find out for yourself what else has changed um i'm gonna actually bring the podcast closer to an end now um start winding things down normally the podcast you know is aimed at 20 minutes i don't really want to be here for too long it really is like a weekly update on the meta um, and how things are, are going uh, the things that i will always leave you with which i will finish off here uh, and, and hopefully this is like a piece of the gems and, and where a lot of the value is held uh, but i will i will discuss the top comps in the meta currently in axe infinity origin i'll explain how they work uh and and potentially if i even know how to counter it as well um and you got to think in the future so for the next episode we will be most likely to have uh guests each and every week and i've got a lot of people that i'm interested to talk to not only in the meta and the you know the leaderboard sides of the game but also community members uh, and some interesting people in the space i don't know who knows maybe the gila will get his hands on G on jihos one day um we can only dream and hope right but so right now it is the 27th of may we're about to go into june um we are on a big update big patch of origin number three i believe uh, and currently and especially after today's implementations of updates the best team in axie infinity origin right now hands down without a doubt um is the sustain heal wall gecko backline now it might sound like a mouthful if you don't know what that is it's gonna be like what the fuck did c's just say it's uh and if you do know then you're gonna know but it, it is essentially working around the card wall gecko and then the ability of two support axes to set the wall gecko up to be almost unkillable uh, and when i say the word unkillable fam like i am not exaggerating wall gecko is a you know it's a really cool card uh, it's an attack that does 60 damage which is you know is probably the, the the most unimpressive part of the card um but it actually has an effect that reads not word for word this is from mind but um it it makes the axie take 50 hp right so you sacrifice 50 hp whilst doing 60 hp um but then the effect takes place called steel skin steel skin will actually reflect 30 percent of all damage uh for four turns now fortunately uh for these wall gecko players i am one myself but i don't use it in the same way but you can actually have wall gecko be used a turn after um or if you have some clever way to cycle it back into the deck then potentially i don't think it's exploitable like that just yet but you can stack the steel skin so i can have 30 percent and then be doing 30 percent less of the already 30 percent less um so this becomes very formidable a really tough 
uh, tanker that's hard to take out. Uh, then you combine this with a team of supportive axes around it, preferably on the backline ac axe that has the wall gecko. You want options for shield and healing. You don't really care to do damage. It's not intended to do damage. You are essentially waiting for the blood moon to kill the opponent. So all you need is healing and shields. Uh, and preferably, you know, the best axes for the job will be reptiles, will be the, the absolute pinnacle. Um, and then plants come second to that. The reason I say reptiles uh, for the sake that they can have the regenerator rune, which if somebody is trying to backdoor the wall gecko early in the game, it can recover from if they don't have a consistent combo. Um, and if they are poisoned, they can regenerate the poison debuffs by 11 at a time, by the way, which I want to exaggerate, which is a bit fucking much for the gearler. Kind of stresses me out. But anyway, regenerator will recover 11 stacks of poison per turn. Um, and if there is no debuffs, it will heal for 10%, I believe it is, of the Axie's um, max HP. Uh, so Reptile is going to be your focal. Um, and then if you can get a plant, the option for the plant is the fact that you use Gaia's Embrace so that the healing and shield cards combine together um, and, and form defense whilst having that sustainability. The two Axies in front of it, you know, there is no blueprint exactly for how it works and, and how most optimal. But right now, all you would need is two axes that essentially disrupt and support. So uh, Sakura is one of those necessity cards. Right now, you can stack power cards, which I think should be changed and addressed. If you stack two Sakuras, the effect of Sakura is, um, and it costs two energy to use. So it is like you got to make the decision when and the right time to. But if you stack the Sakuras, the um, Axie with the two Sakura power on it will heal for 20 HP each card that is played. Um, so that's huge for when you're the backline Axie and you're the only one there and you're just streaming through cards as well as healing and shielding. You're healing 20 HP per card that you're healing and shielding with, um, which is fun, fucking great. Um, and then the the other thing that I would recommend is if you want, you can have Sakura and Bumpy and stack both of those, or you can have two Sakuras and stack both of those. You can have two Sakuras, one of them being on the wall gecko, one of them being on a support, and then having Bumpy on the other support. So you can stack, you know, Bumpy's two Sakuras. That would be fucking broken. I haven't seen it done, but whatever. Um, and then, yeah, you just basically want to annoy the opponent as much as possible until it gets to Blood Moon and then they can't take your backline out no matter what they do. They just don't have a combination that does enough damage and each turn you get, you heal and uh, the Sakura heals you back as well. And the Wall Gecko resists the amount of damage the Blood Moon does to you so you will never be killed by the Blood Moon before somebody else unless they had the exact same team and it, it was the most boring match you've ever seen. Um, but yeah, so... That is the number one comp right now. And, you know, to give stats, uh, Layer Gaming, shout out to Layer Gaming, um, a guy I've had a couple of conversations with in, in, in our discords and things like that. Um, great guy, um, makes content as well. So check him out if you can. Uh, his, just type in Layer Gaming on Twitter, you might find him. Um, but he, at one point, using a composition similar to that, uh, is was more than double the second place um, person in Challenger. So he had won that many games in a row that his stars that you acquire for winning a game were double 
that of the player who was second in the world. So this is the number one comp in the world by a fucking stretch right now. Uh, the fact that you can't attack turn one makes it hard for, you know, um, if you go second, if you're, if, sorry, if you go first against this team, uh, you can't really start to target the back line if you have a backdoor comp or whatever, uh, but you can't get ahead, right? And if you go second, they potentially, or essentially, they get a free turn to start setting Sakuras and whatnot. So it really did, you know, it boosted them up. It took away the beasts and the aggros, which is cool because they were a bit dominant. But this healing and sustain team is very specific. It's very niche, but it is very fucking good. Um, yeah, my re like to, to rectify and balance it a bit more um, it would be limiting the stacking of powers, right? So no double Sakura. Potentially, you could have Sakura and Bumpy because they're two different powers, but limiting the stacking of the same powers. Um, and then also, this is one that I don't really want to suggest, but at the same time, it probably would be the correct thing to do and make sense. That Wall Gecko and Steel Skin actually applies to damage. So attacking cards, it reduces 30% of damage um, done by other axes so it doesn't reduce poison tick damage it doesn't reduce bleed damage it doesn't reduce blood moon damage or anything of those sorts um, those are the things i think we can do to balance it out currently on the market i mean it's probably monopolized by now people have figured it out it's really not that hard um, but yeah so if you want to go buy it now you're probably going to waste your money because now they're going to patch it eventually because it is even stronger than it was before um it's just a bit more scarce than our beastie boys out there so uh, that's the t that is currently number one in the world uh, shout out layer gaming again um but there are definitely ways around it the counters right which is important to put out there um scarab is a great counter for it it's very specific and you you know you have to position yourself where you can target down the back line or at least remove the two support axes in front to get to the back line to start playing those scarabs um scarab basically um re reduces the amount of um of of heal uh so if you're scarab i don't know the exact math actually this is this is bad for me but um if i scarab you and you are healing for 10 or in this case double sakura if you're healing, healing for 20 hp per card and i scarab you i believe you do like potentially 50 percent less so instead you'll be doing 20 hp recovery instead of 20 uh sorry you'll be doing 10 hp each card instead of 20 even if you have double sakura and then you can stack the scarab right uh the other counter is sleep so if you have double talk it's amazing against this it disrupts the flow they cannot heal on one turn which could be detrimental they also won't be able to shield uh so that is the, the probably the best way to approach it you can obviously rocket stamp a, a double uh double talk and uh and and go past um axes to get to it but then you have to follow it up with a combo uh, then the only other thing um, that doesn't require absolutely annihilating the two support axes in front of it will be retargeting things like um, pure beast pockies uh, so they can rocket stamp the pocky and set the target to the back line combine that with the puppy card on that same axis or on another axis and you'll be able to pocky puppy pocky and have the taunt on the back line for four turns, which should give you a big enough of a window, especially if you plan it around Rage, uh, sorry, around Fury, um, to take the back line out, thus breaking the, 
the the strategy of the deck so that's all i got for you today that is the t that's the meta right there the gila's got some gossip but we've ran out for today um hopefully you know well definitely we're going to be doing an episode two definitely i'm going to be doing an episode three and so on and so forth um guests and who will be here next week is an absolute fucking surprise and even i don't know right now but um we will be back next week to discuss next week will be a much shorter condensed episode it will be focused on meta you know what i mean we ain't here to introduce myself because it's been introduced i uh, i've done that and now we can move on with the real context and content of this podcast but if you you know if you enjoyed the podcast i'd appreciate some feedback um and and, and anything that you'd like to see inclusive um in the podcast uh you know i i'm, I'm really i'm all ears i'm open to suggestions um but i hope you enjoyed this listening experience and i hope this brought some value to you as well um and tune in next time uh, for some more gila gossip well one thing i didn't tell you actually where did the red gila come from i'll be honest i play poison um and the poison comp is full of reptiles that have curved spines which causes bleed um so the red blood mixed with the poison and a gila in the back line is just a yeah it just i just uh, one day said the red gila and it felt really fucking good um and i am a bit of a i'm a bit of a a, a reptile i'm not uh mark zuckerberg but um i'm just a fucking red reptile and that's it bro honestly like there is no there's no deeper meaning behind it if you waited this whole podcast to find out why i'm called the red gila yeah you're probably underwhelmed but i promise you next episode you won't be left underwhelmed brother and with that take care man love always and peace yeah. Yeah.